0: On Let's Get Legal Powered by the Illinois State Bar Association. We'll get to Corinne in just one moment. Got an answer or a guess to an answer to the question of the day. Aside from the Civil War, this constitutional consequence has only happened once in U.S. history. Happened to someone who signed the constitution. Nick joins us now. Nick, how are you doing? I'm doing well today. Just like the other listeners, it's it's warm. It's Chicago warm. Yeah, yeah there we, yeah, there you go. What's your what's your guess? Uh, Just a shot in the dark, but was a vice president impeached Uh, for the first time? Can a a vice president be impeached? Okay, you're asking great questions, and I looked this up because I I didn't think that a vice president has ever been impeached. And no no one has, but there's actually some unique stories about times that vice presidents have almost been impeached. In fact, twice in history, Mm -hmm. vice presidents have actually requested impeachment inquiries into their own behavior. In 1826, Vice President John Calhoun requested the House impeachment inquiry be launched into him regarding allegations that he had profited from a contract during his tenure as the Secretary of War. His request was granted. A House Select Committee conducted an impeachment inquiry within a matter of weeks, found Calhoun innocent of wrongdoing. And listeners may remember Spiro Agnew tried to do the same thing to instigate an impeachment inquiry into himself. He didn't have that happen. And, of course, he ended up uh, pleading. He ended up resigning and uh, pleading for tax evasion. There's been other attempts to impeach the vice president, including, and Nick, maybe you'll find this fun, Andrew Johnson, who was later impeached as president but not convicted. Yeah. He was so drunk at the second inauguration of Abraham Lincoln, which I've talked about on this show, he was so drunk he couldn't get through his speech. He couldn't even sign in the senators, which was his job. That the they considered impeaching him because he was drunk at his own inauguration as vice president. How about that, Nick? <laughs> That's great. That sounds like a human resources issue, right there. <laughs> yeah, I gotta, I gotta get Patrick <laughs> like Dolan. Yeah, there you go. I gotta get Patrick Dolan, our first lawyer on on the case on that. Nick, good guess. Thanks for the call. Okay. Hey, thanks, y'all. Be well. And, uh, and I love when we can go down. Uh, uh, history <laughs> and find interesting nuggets i love telling the andrew johnson story corinne heggie did you know that about andrew johnson our uh our, our 15th uh or excuse me 17th president drunk at his own inauguration
1: hi john i i didn't know about that but i know he had some uh he had there's some lore to his uh
0: his uh, roles in office. Yes, exactly. In fact, he was impeached by the House and was almost convicted, but wasn't by one vote. That's not why I brought you in, Corinne. You're from Heggie uh, Walkner Law Firm. You're uh, my go-to person for anything wills and trusts. And normally, when we talk about a celebrity passing, and I get you on the line or your husband John, it's because they didn't write a will, right? And there's so many cases of that. And it's always tragic, it's sad, it gets divvied up, and it's this whole long process. And it's a good opportunity for us to remind people that they should get wills or trusts. Uh, but this one with uh, Priscilla Presley is a little bit different. Has this one pinged your radar, this case? This this this
1: has, John, um, because for the reason you said, usually when individuals have taken the time to right in a estate plan that includes a will and a trust, it guarantees that they will there will be a private and seamless transfer of wealth most of the time.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. If you go to a trust, and I assume these people, you know, they, they have lawyers involved in this, they're doing the right thing, right? Like thumbs up that this was done well. So then what's the wrinkle here? Well, there
1: can be a lot of wrinkles that happen when there is a trust involved in someone's estate plan, including a wrinkle that would you know, cause someone or compel someone to go to court. And here it seems that Priscilla is questioning some changes that her daughter had made to the trust prior to her daughter's death.
0: Okay, so she says that in 2016, there was an amendment to Lisa Marie Presley's living trust that removed Priscilla and her uh, former business manager as trustees. Here's my first question on this. If you remove someone as a trustee, or maybe remove someone out of a trust, must they be notified of that change?
1: While you're living, you have so much control of your trust, John, and you can remove trustee's especially trustees that bat or act after you do. Mm -hmm. So notice is not required. Now, I'm going to put some brackets on my answer, if I may. Mm -hmm. And my brackets are this, John. I am not a California bard or California licensed lawyer. Okay. So I don't know if California law has a notice requirement.
0: But in Illinois,
1: you can, while you are living, exercise your right as a trustee to remove a trustee who you've named to act with you or act after you. And by after you, I mean after you when you are no longer living.
0: And I imagine that's not all that unusual, right? Amendments or changing how things look in a trust, right? Like that's fairly standard to the process.
1: Exactly. The the amendment piece isn't doesn't pulse me, to be quite honest, because amendments do happen and they will happen as life events happen, relationships change, your needs change. So amendments are common and and encouraged, even if you're not going to make a change. But for the fact, John, of taking a look at your documents with some fresh eyes, seeing if there's anything that needs to be done, and if nothing needs to be done, great.
0: Do you, are there though, like, so what she's saying is that maybe there was something shady about the amendment. Are there reasons why amendments would not be okay, right? Like, I, I guess I'm just trying to see Priscilla's side of this. Like, is there are there legal circumstances in which amendments could be seen as uh, voidable? I guess is the question.
1: Indeed, there are circumstances, and perhaps Priscilla is looking at this through the eye of, well, why was I removed? I would be willing to do this job if I was able to do it mm-hmm. from the first. From a, from a from an initial reaction. A second reaction might be that she might have some questions about her daughter's capacity, right? Her, her appreciation of the change that she had made to her trustee batting order when she made the amendment in 2016. And it seems to me that that may be top of Priscilla's mind. And I say that because You know the court filings that are um that have been covered in the press um the court filings indicate that priscilla's name wasn't misspelled and perhaps the signature that lisa applied her daughter applied to the document looked irregular Hmm. so those are are ways that people can challenge or indications that can can cause a, a, a party to say hey wait I'm not sure that this amendment was on the up and up.
0: Right. But that's got to be hard to prove, right? Like, I guess what I'm saying is, is the burden on Priscilla and her team of lawyers to prove this because it's assumed, I guess, the general assumption going into court is that this is a legal amendment. Do you understand what I'm saying? Is, the, is Who has the burden here to prove what?
1: The person in this situation who's going to the courthouse staff has the burden to
0: prove. Right, so that's Priscilla has to prove somehow, and that can be difficult to do, right?
1: It it can be difficult to do, not for a lot of reasons, not the least of which is that the individual who signed the trust is no longer living.
0: Right. Right. What about people that, like, the people that signed it, is it with their co-signer? I mean, I know you may not know the specifics to this, but generally speaking, are there witnesses that can, like, that signed it that can be brought in? Can the lawyer who helped administer this be brought in and questioned? Like, what what tools does Priscilla have and her team have at their disposal to try and prove that this was an amendment that was filed incorrectly or under duress or whatever the case may be? What do they have to do what can they do to to try and prove that case
1: so one of one of the things that Priscilla's legal team is going to have to do is file a complaint which they've done to kind of preview for the court the basis of their case and then if they get into the litigation if the judge allows the case to stand they're going to have to use paper evidence documents, and then they can also use witnesses. And to your point, John, a witness could be Lisa Marie's lawyer, the notary, if a notarized signature is required for an amendment, if witnesses are required. Those witnesses might be called to tell his or her or their impression of Lisa's state of mind what they witnessed when, in fact, this amendment was executed in
0: 2016. Mm-hmm. What advice do you have for people that look at this and they think, you know, maybe I was thinking about getting a trust. Now this is worrying me a little bit. This is the exception, right, to what usually is a pretty straightforward process. What advice do you give to people who either are questioning, Ugh, I don't know about trusts anymore, or, advice to people who have a trust to make sure that something like this or to cover their bases a little bit to make sure that this doesn't happen to them and their trust that maybe they already have set up?
1: Of course, I'd love to tackle those questions. So, John, as to your first question, yes, this is the this is the exception. People sign trusts because they want a private and seamless transfer of wealth. 99.9% of the time, that is exactly what happens when someone takes the time to sign a living trust as part of their estate plan. Mm -hmm. So as to your second question, John, I, I I don't want this to be a bash trust right? (laughs) because Priscilla is now at the courthouse steps trying to make heads and tails of an amendment to her deceased daughter's trust. I want it to energize the people who have a trust, to think about, have I made amendments? Do I need an amendment? And if i made an amendment, does it comply with Illinois law?
0: Right. Okay. Right. Did, did I then, do something? Did I do it the right way, or did I just write it on a napkin, right, and staple it to the trust?
1: Ex- exactly. Exactly. Give some thought to the details, because details matter.
0: For sure. Corinne, we're getting some questions on the text line. I have a couple other questions. Do you mind hanging around a little bit longer for us? I'd be happy to, John. Okay, this can be about the Priscilla case, if you have any questions, or questions about your real estate, or real estate, your estate plan. Could have, been, have to do with real estate. Not always, though, your estate planning. Answer your questions is after this, 312-981-7200. Oh, Heggie Walkner Law Firm is, uh, of course, where Corinne is from. We'll make sure to get all the websites and uh, the phone numbers. W it's John Hanson on Let's Get Legal, powered by the Illinois State Bar Association, taking you up to 245 to the Big Ten basketball pregame show ahead of Purdue at Indiana at the top of the hour. Uh, We did have a text. You know, this is an interesting show. We're covering the breaking news of this balloon situation that was shot down. Uh, Someone was kind of questioning the idea of could it have been removed and not necessarily shot down? Could it have been captured? Uh, You know, I think that that went through a permutation. I imagine the military discussed that. Lauren was telling you about that Biden, uh, President Biden, speaking after landing in Maryland to go to Camp David, said that he did order the military on Wednesday to shoot it down as soon as possible. The military advisors recommended that it would be safest over the ocean within that 12-mile limit, and uh, that's what they did. I imagine there'll be a lot of uh, second-guessing, questioning what's happening, and we'll learn more in the coming days and weeks, and uh, with everything, deep breaths, but... Had a couple people interesting uh, remark that the Sputnik thing did remind them a little bit of that as well, which is the first thing I thought of when you look up in the sky and you see something from, a, all right, well, yeah, China's an adversary, I'd say, competitor. We, Competitor's probably the, the correct political term there, but that would have been probably just a similar reaction to when Sputnik went up by the Soviet Union. All right, Corinne Heggie, save me from waxing poetic more history here uh, from Heggie Walkner Law. And, uh, Corinne, I wanted just to mention that if people do have questions and we're getting some on the line now, Heggielaw.com is where you can go to talk to Corinne or John. Um, the phone number, 847 272 and that's where you still want people to call for a free consultation, right, Corinne? Yes, John, exactly. All seven two seven two right, we were talking about Priscilla Presley and challenging an amendment to a trust. Uh, let's go to the phone lines. Are you ready to take a question, Corinne? I am, John. All right, Bill, you're on WGN. You've got a question. Hey, Bill. Uh,
1: yes, hi, John. Hi, Corinne. How are you this afternoon? We're great. Great. Um, my, my question is that I don't have the Presley assets. Um, but <laughs> right. But I do have, the wife and I have a 401k. We've got the, uh, we have three kids, um, and that's it. Uh, We have a will. What's the advantage of having a trust in that situation?
0: Great question. Corinne, any thoughts?
1: Yeah, That's a great question, John. Thanks for asking it. Uh, A trust can give you, I guess, these these two things, and I'm going to plug in a third. First, as I said in, in kind of the, discussion I've had with John about the Lisa Marie Priscilla Presley situation. 99.9% of the time, it gives you a private and seamless transfer of wealth, number one. Number two, it can help you avoid probate. And probate, again, is the process where a judge decides who gets your property when you're no longer living. And then a third advantage of a trust is that you can get a team in place to help you manage your property, your trust assets, if you're living with a disability or an incapacity, which is a bonus, but it's often hard for individuals who are young and healthy to
0: understand the importance of. Or project out, right? Like, we don't want to think about that.
1: Well, exactly, John. I mean, because those kinds of Concepts, disability and capacity you know puts you face to face not only with your own health but perhaps a time when you might not be able to do things for yourself which is terribly unsettling for people.
0: Corinne would it be safe to say that a, a trust is like a Swiss army knife and a will you just get the one blade is that like an analogy that could work? Yeah, I like that analogy, John, absolutely. Just credit with me anytime you say that. So, Bill, did that kind of answer your question about some advantages of a trust?
1: Yeah, it does. It does somewhat. I mean, I, I think that some of that would be handled by the will, though, itself, if it's if you know it's a non-contested situation. But Here, here's I, one... see this. I see the point with property and everything.
0: Yeah, and, and here's the thing, Bill. You can always, and this is for anyone else, and we appreciate the call, uh, Bill, Uh, We're going to put you on hold. You can call Corinne and John, 847-272-7360, and Corinne, I imagine you'll back this up. Anybody can, and great. I mean, first of all, great that there's a will there, right? Like, Corinne, that step one is awesome, and you can have a chat with someone, and you're not going to force them into a trust. Maybe the will is the right call, Corinne. That's kind of what you guys do. You analyze it, give people pros and cons, and let them ultimately decide what they want to do.
1: Exactly. We really try to tailor an estate plan to the needs of the individual, their goals and and their assets. So we are not going to do anything other than listen, give a recommendation and hopefully be in a position where we can, you know, add some value. And and potentially, if you're looking to, you know, update your estate plan or, or or. start an estate plan draft and then an estate plan for the first time to be a partner to right. you and so doing.
0: Six Rio wants to know, I have three kids. They're wonderful. Do I name one as a trustee? Can I name all three? Do I name two? Uh, I've imagined, Corinne, that's a, a case-by-case basis. Is there a limit? Like how many can you name?
1: That's a great question. And when we get off on, John, you can have as many trustees as you want. You can name one, you can name two, you can name three. The law doesn't limit the amount of trustees you can have. That being said, there's just a practical consideration to having a team that is, you know, that is that is has multiple players on it, and that is the the ability of those individuals to work together and and get work done together.
0: If you have three and they want to make decisions, is it like? Two out of three wins or does it get more complicated than that?
1: Well, it will depend and we'll go back to what the the trust the rules of the road in the trust say. Right. The trust might say majority wins, the trust might say, you know, at least two thirds. Interesting. The trust might say, you know, if there's a disagreement, Paula's decision is that it, it takes
0: off? You um often make these baseball analogies, like write the right lineup, having a good bullpen. But not only is it trust setting up the players, but you also kind of write the rules of the game. That's cool.
1: Oh, exactly. You you set the table. You 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 have the uh, yeah. You've got the game plan. You call the shot. All
0: right, we got time for one more question, Gary. We may not be able to get the full question, but can you sum up your question here quickly for uh, for Corinne? Hey, Gary.
1: Yeah, I have a number of uh, accounts, moneyed accounts where I have set up beneficiaries or payable on death people, mm-hmm. do, do, do I need to do anything with the trust with those things or those pass that way?
0: All right, let's put Gary on hold. Corinne, you got an answer in like 30 seconds?
1: Sure. Uh, Gary, naming beneficiaries is great. A trust can hold those accounts too. But I'm really happy that you've named beneficiaries and pay-on-depth directives on those accounts.
0: So it can be kind of in conjunction. You can do that separately. That's great. That's a good step. A trust kind of reinforces what you've already established there?
1: It it, it can, and it can even hold those accounts instead of having to name beneficiaries at the bank.
0: I see. So it becomes part of the trust. That money goes into the trust, which then can be um, led by the team of people that you eventually decide to have it with there.
1: Exactly,
0: John. (laughs) I'm trying, Corinne. (laughs) This is complicated stuff. I mean, I'm ready to hire you. Yeah, right? You like that Swiss Army knife analogy. Uh, I love that. com is where to go. Corinne, you're wonderful. It's so great to chat with you. Tell uh, John, your husband, hello, okay?
1: I will do so, John. Thanks for the opportunity to uh, come on and have this conversation with you this afternoon.
0: Absolutely. 847-272-7360. I mentioned John not only because I like John, her husband, but... He's in the same thing. <laughs> they work together. He's an estate uh, planning lawyer as well. And they often come on Your Money Matters in this show. And I just appreciate their time breaking that down.